While many women are aware that hormone therapy is good for the bones, it's usually thought of as a side benefit. You know, women take hormone therapy because they're flashing or can't sleep and then are told, by the way, estrogen will also help prevent bone loss. In the United States, there are 10 million women with osteoporosis and 43 million women with osteopenia. Most of these women have no idea that they're at risk for a potentially life-changing or even fatal fracture and also have no idea that hormone therapy is a proven strategy to treat low bone mass and prevent osteoporosis. Today, I'm joined by bone guru, Dr. Christy DeSapri, to talk about the role of hormone therapy when it comes to low bone mass and osteoporosis. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. When it comes to menopause midlife and what comes after, I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. If women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information. So many questions on this topic came in through social media. Is hormone therapy preventative against further bone loss or it will also help build bone? It's one thing to be given hormone therapy to help hot flashes, but is it ever appropriate to take hormone therapy for bone health when it's the only reason? Is the same dose that prevents your hot flashes also going to protect your bones? Does it matter if you use a transdermal or oral estrogen? What about testosterone? Can you use hormone therapy instead of bone building drugs? Is it ever too late to start hormone therapy to help your bones? To answer these questions, I'm joined by an expert in bone health, Dr. Christy DeSapri, an internist who's not only a certified menopause practitioner of the Menopause Society, but a nationally renowned expert in osteoporosis, the founding director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Women's Bone Health, and the founder of Bone and Body Women's Health in Chicago. This is actually the third episode Dr. DeSapri and I have done together. In episode 59, we talked about risk factors and screening for osteopenia and osteoporosis. In episode 61, we talked about the different drugs that are used to treat osteoporosis. But in those segments, we never got to the role of hormone therapy in terms of preventing and treating bone loss. So that's today's topic. And stick around at the end for my summary of what we covered and recommendations. Welcome, Dr. DeSapri. Hi, Dr. Stryker. Thank you so much for having me. So often I am talking about the impact of estrogen deprivation. And yet, no matter what I'm talking about, whether it's dry mouth, hair loss, skin changes, the bottom of the list is give hormone therapy. With bone health, we talk so much as we should about lifestyle changes and diet and calcium. And, and then we get into all these different drugs when it's the loss of, of estrogen that has caused the problem. And mm -hmm. why isn't that at the top of everybody's list? Right. And actually, why I wanted to do this topic, because we need to reevaluate in terms of where we're putting hormone therapy as far as our treatment paradigm for women right. that are either at risk for bone loss or already have bone loss. Because yeah. when they go see most bone specialists who are not you, who are not menopause experts, hormone therapy is generally not even on the list of treatments other than if someone mentions, oh, I'm taking hormones for my hot flashes. And then the osteoporosis experts say, well, that's great. It's going to help your bones too. But right. they never suggested it's something to do, right? I mean, haven't you found yeah. that when you get second opinions from people who are seeing credible bone experts? 
Absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head and you're absolutely right. I mean, we don't think about hormone therapy as treatment. We think about it more as prevention and maybe the last resort of prevention or even last resort of treatment in some women with vasomotor symptoms. We have really great evidence from the Women's Health Initiative study. Maybe that study didn't help us in a lot of ways. Again, 27,000 women looking at whether or not hormone therapy prevented chronic medical conditions. We know now, 20 plus years later, that important that when we give hormone therapy to women who are less than 10 years since menopause or less than age 60, the benefit really outweighs the risk. But guess what? In the Women's Health Initiative study, those women who are on average age 63. A little bit older to start with. Exactly. We still saw with hormone therapy in in that age demographic, risk of hip fractures and spine fractures, non-vertebral fractures were reduced 30 to 40%. That percentage is very similar to the treatment effects that we can get with oral bisphosphonates and other medications we use in the more advanced treatment of osteoporosis. So Again, when we think about hormone therapy, we should be using it as prevention as well as treatment in well, some let's, let's cases. Let's get into the specifics because well. I have some very specific questions that I want to ask you. I put out a call on social media and thanks to everyone who submitted questions in advance. And we're mm-hmm. going to try and get to all of them. But before we get started on the questions, even though we've covered it in the past, I just want mm-hmm. you to quickly go through the difference between osteopenia and osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is defined as a condition where we lose bone mineral density and strength that impacts the bone microarchitecture and leads to an increased risk of uh, osteoporosis-related fractures. So things like fractures of the wrist, hip, spine, uh, ankle, clavicle, all of those long bones that we can break. So when we think about osteoporosis, which is more advanced bone loss, we could diagnose that two ways. One is by a DEXA scan, dual energy x-ray absorptiometry with a T-score of minus 2.5 or lower, or osteoporosis can be diagnosed by a low trauma fracture, so a fracture of the hip, the wrist, uh, clavicle, ankle, et cetera, a fall from the standing height or less tells us that your bone density or bone quality is low, and that makes a diagnosis of clinical osteoporosis. When we think about osteopenia, the correct term is low bone mass. That is a T-score diagnosis of a T-score of minus 1.1 to minus 2.4 on a DEXA scan at any site that is scanned, a hip or a spine. More often than not, even though strictly speaking, osteoporosis isn't a gynecologic disease, gynecologists are the ones who are doing the screening. So how did this fall under the umbrella of the gynecologists? The reason why it falls into the lap of gynecologists, because most of the time at menopause and midlife, see changes in bone density, most primarily due to um, estrogen being lost from the ovaries, that our bones are exquisitely sensitive to estrogen deficiencies. All right. So when we talk about the use of hormone therapy, specifically for bone health, not for anything else, just for bone health. What I'd like to do is to divide this initial discussion into three groups. First, I want to talk about a woman who does not have low bone mass, but who's worried about it, maybe a family Mm -hmm. history or she has some risk factors. And then second, I want to talk about someone who has already been diagnosed with low bone mass. Third, I want to talk about the woman with osteoporosis. Specifically, what is the role of hormone therapy in those three groups. So let's start Mm -hmm. with the woman who has a normal bone density, who Mm -hmm. has been screened. She has no issues right now. She's 51 Mm -hmm. years old and she's five foot five and she weighs 110. Mm -hmm. She has a huge family history of osteoporosis and her mother died of a hip fracture at age 80. And she's worried. 
So, so now you've got that, your patient. Right. What are you going to okay. tell her about hormone so, therapy? I would love to see that patient because I rarely see that patient. She is going to lose bone density rapidly at menopause. And we know that. We know that thinner women lose more bone mineral density. Women can lose up to 20% of their bone mass through the menopause transition. You can have calcium, vitamin D, and exercise and do all the right things and still lose bone mass. Primarily, we lose bone out of the trabecular compartment or the spine and the femoral neck. So you'll see those numbers that uh, might go lower. You talk about how much bone she can expect to lose. Correct. Over what period of time? Is there a big loss at the beginning and does it level off or will she continue to mm-hmm. lose at the same rate for the rest of her life, assuming she does nothing to prevent bone loss? There can be up to 20% of bone mass, and then that should slow. With the rapid declines of estrogen, that's usually around one to five years. And then generally, most women lose less than 1% of bone mineral density after the menopause transition. So it's a, it can be a slower decline because, again, when we age, we know things like risk of falls increases, risk of other medical conditions, activity level, et cetera, that can impact the bone loss. And yeah. this is where bone is different in men than women because women have a menopause where men, even though they want to think they have an andropause, that does not really not the same. <laughs> men do lose bone density, but it's it's not as a steep slope that we see that women do. She's normal now, but we know that she's going to start to, to take that plunge. Right. And then it's going to potentially level off. So right. talk about the impact of hormone therapy if we were to start her right now versus mm-hmm. if she were not to take hormone therapy in terms of how that would protect her. So there's not a lot of studies done on them because they're lower risk to fracture anyway. And so we have to look at bone mineral density. We've said it's going to drop, but I still, for these women, to get back to your initial question, she has a normal bone density, but she has a strong family history, low body weight. Most women can still benefit from preventative doses of hormone therapy to offset bone loss. Like you, when we practice in the menopause center, now my own practice, many women have symptoms of menopause, but don't always associate that with menopause. They don't sleep well. They have joint pains. They have vaginal dryness, vasomotor symptoms. It's a rare woman that has zero symptoms. But the same discussion, just because I want to give you a really clean question here. Let's say this woman walks into your office. She has no hot flashes. She has no vaginal dryness. She's sleeping like a baby. She is just fine, but she's at very high risk for osteoporosis based on family history and body type. And her Mm -hmm. question to you, Dr. DeSapri, is if she takes hormone therapy, will that protect her? And if so, how well will it protect her? Question is a very good one. And that the answer is, we don't know, but we do know bone loss is inevitable and hormone therapy offsets the bone loss from impacting the bone resorption from increasing. And I would counsel her on using hormone therapy because she is at a high risk. And when we think of longevity, that she's going to live in her 60s, 70s, 80s, in my belief, we are treating osteoporosis too late. I see the women in their 70s, 80s who fractured, but no one offered them hormone therapy to begin with, or they were discontinued off of their hormone therapy. How long? We have some studies of women who are started, something called the Danish osteoporosis prevention study, started on hormones in their 45 to 50 late perimenopause to early menopause transition and continued out for 12, 13 years. And we see that it maintains the bone mass, decreases the risk of fractures, primarily wrist fractures, which are actually the most common fracture of women in their 50s. 
We know from the WHI, again, women on hormones for five to seven years, that improved the bone density five to 7%. So that number actually is almost a full T-score improvement. I got another question here. Yeah. There's a difference between maintaining bone mass and building bone mass, and you kind of threw both out. So again, we're talking about our patient here who walks in the door. She has said, I would like a, a prescription for hormone therapy because I'm worried about my bones. So number one, are you going to write her that prescription? And mm -hmm. number two, is the expectation based on some of the data that you just quoted, is the expectation that it's going to maintain her bone or is the expectation that it may actually help her build bone, even though right now she's normal? You can't get better than normal. So it, I think it would be very Dan, normal. Oh, come on. You can get better than normal. There's low normal. There's high normal. But I there's would all, there's normal's a big I range. Would, we want to yeah. be like high normal. So she's low normal. So I would say to her that, yes, I will, you know, if there's risk factors and a lot of my patients are concerned with their future risk of a fracture and they want to do everything they can now, which I think is a great preventative lifestyle, is I would give her a prescription for hormone therapy at an adequate dose. The DEXA bone mineral density, we know, again, when we looked at bone biology, that if you've been breaking down bone, the, the medications, hormone therapy, oral bisphosphonates, any medication is going to work the best in the first one to two to three years because the bone that's been lost is going to be filled in. So yeah. we think about changes. The only way we can assess bone mineral you know, changes in bone are either a bone mineral density. We sometimes do things like bone turnover markers, and I do that for people who are at high risk or or, and sometimes we even check estrogen levels because yeah. if I want to make sure that a patient's on an adequate dose, you saw me do this when we work together, then we do that. But we also check the bone mineral densities against each other, looking correctly to make sure that the dose that you're adequately on is, is enough to maintain, if not improve the bone mineral density. So again, it can do both. It just depends on for how long you're on the dose. I know you don't want me to talk about calcium, vitamin D, because we'll be here till midnight, but we know from even from the WHI that women who are on adequate doses of calcium, the bone mineral density improved more than women who are on sub, you know, right. No, and, and I don't, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to oversimplify too yeah, yeah, much yeah. because I certainly know that if you're going to give someone who's at risk of a prescription for hormone therapy, you're also going to counsel them on all the other yeah. things. Yeah. So really let's take scenario question. number two. Her sister comes in. And her sister has already been diagnosed with osteopenia, with low bone mass. And she was told by someone else that maybe she should take a drug. But she's talked to her sister that says, no, no, go see Dr. DeSapri because she's going to give you a prescription for hormone therapy. So <laughs> what are you going to tell her sister who has osteopenia in terms of what a prescription for hormone therapy will do for her? This is the patient scenario that I see much more often because the other point to your point is that when, when we do a DEXA on women, 20% of those women already have osteoporosis by the age of 50 on a DEXA. This is national data. And 30% or so of women have osteopenia or bone loss. So 50% of women are going to have an abnormal bone density who are going to walk in my door and it's generally 100%. So this is the category of patients that I see much more often that are definitely have osteopenia, low bone mass, family history, because it's her sister of low bone density, went through menopause, and people are told calcium, vitamin D, exercise as much as you can, and hopefully the osteoporosis won't catch up with you, you know, stuff like that. But this is the ideal woman. We should be talking about osteoporosis prevention, which so hormone therapy is FDA approved 
to prevent osteoporosis. This is loud and clear in the medical world, but not getting translated, unfortunately, as we write prescriptions or into the patient world. So this is the patient that we should be. And unfortunately, and if they see people like an endocrinologist or rheumatologist, they're prescribed things like oral bisphosphonates, which when we look at actually hormone therapy at standard doses, sure, the alendronate or bisphosphonates, I have nothing against these medications, it's just that they are used for a shorter period of time and they mineralize the bone. And well, it's not going to be they, all the other benefits. I mean, we're not right, getting into that today, but all the other benefits. And, if she's sitting there and saying, okay, my internist said I should take a bisphosphonate and you're telling me I should do hormone therapy and we're putting aside mm-hmm. all of the other benefits and risks just in terms of bone health, which one is going to help her more in terms of prevention of progressing to full osteoporosis? So the answer is both can be effective for the right patient. However, you know, again, we've studied bisphosphonates more than we have hormone therapy for prevention and treatment of osteoporosis, and then certain medical specialties feel more comfortable with that. However, like I said, there's a time frame for oral bisphosphonates. If we use standard doses of hormone therapy, either oral or transdermal, those medicines as well should offset bone loss and improve bone density, depending on where we're starting from. Fringe benefits, although really in the bone world, these are fringe benefits, but patients come to me with those looking for those benefits as the top benefits, as which we all know, treatment of vasomotor symptoms, vaginal dryness, joint pains, aches, all the other you know, sleep concerns, all the other constellation of menopause symptoms that some women have some of them, some women have none of them, but most of the women that I see have some sort of bone loss that has been, again, inherited their peak bone mass, or they're already on the the decline. So the answer is yes, it is very dependent on the specialist that you will see. Most internists will not prescribe hormone therapy. Some gynecologists- but No, they're, but they're pre- seeing you. You prescribe both. Right. And so you, so which one are you going to prescribe for this woman? Are you going to say they're both going to work equally well or you're going to do one over the other? I'm, I'm going to- about if, her bones. We don't care about the other stuff. Yeah. If they're le- women who are less than age 60 in my practice, I will prescribe hormone therapy over a bisphosphonate and 100% of the time, unless a patient- is adamant that they do not want hormone therapy or they medically, again, cannot take that history of breast cancer, cardiovascular, a high cardiovascular risk. All right. So what about the patient who comes to you and says, I'm already on a bisphosphonate, but I want to do everything I can to avoid osteoporosis because I know how dangerous it can be. So Mm -hmm. if I take hormone therapy with my bisphosphonate, Mm -hmm. will that be better for me than doing either one alone? So again, very few studies that there's about two to three studies looking at taking hormone therapy at standard doses with oral uh, bisphosphonates, particularly alendronate. That's really the only one that's been studied. Can you, you know, do the no, trade name? I know we hate to do trade names. Sure. So on sure. It's called Fosamax, and that's the weekly uh, medication, oral yeah. once weekly medication. There has been there have been some studies looking at oral bisphosphonate Fosamax with a hormone therapy or either one alone. And of course, both of them together, they both are anti-resorptive medicines in the class of medicines that prevent more bone loss. And again, you know, work on the osteo class. They work actually by a similar mechanism, both together improve the bone density. But when we looked at oral bisphosphonate and standard dose hormone therapy, the bone mineral density changes, particularly at the spine, were almost no different. So that's where I say to patients, Really, we have some data to show that there's quite similar efficacy in bone mineral density 
Fracture studies are larger and we don't have that, you know, data. It depends on who's writing the prescription. And no, no, you're writing it. She's, she's come to you. Right. You're writing yeah. the prescription. No one else. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just, right. But I'm just saying the wide world out there. So we're, we're in the Dr. DeSapri world tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, that's amazing. That happens so rarely. She does not need hormone therapy for anything else. No. We're just talking about her bone health. Would you yeah. say that there is benefit to giving her estrogen on top of her bisphosphonate to prevent progression to osteoporosis? The answer is routinely no. This is not recommended by the medical societies because the medicines, as I just explained, kind of work to sort of similar pathways. The reality is it just hasn't been studied, it hasn't been uh, studied. that well. Yeah. So I would, I have a, maybe a select amount of patients on that, but it's not standard of care is the answer. Okay. I'm going to change that a little bit then. Let's say she is taking her bisphosphonate, but she comes to you because in addition to being concerned about her bones, she's also having terrible hot flashes. You wouldn't hesitate mm -hmm. to give her estrogen on top of her bisphosphonate, correct? No, I wouldn't. And then I would sort of say, okay, we're going to give you some, you know, a moderate dose hormone therapy to control your symptoms. You're on a bisphosphonate. So we need to watch the, you know, the DEXA, maybe we can come down on the bisphosphonate. Yeah. So this is something that we would do because of that case by case basis. Um, absolutely. And sometimes again, it depends on the level of risk. Is the bisphosphonate the right medicine or is it too much medicine? Is it not enough? I mean, I find Right now, we've moved beyond the oral bisphosphonate world. We have intravenous options. We have medications that improve the uh, the bone mass. So I typically see women who have very low bone density and they have menopausal symptoms. And so for them, I'm giving. I'm and maybe we'll yeah. we'll go on to this scenario, which is scenario four later. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, and I'm giving you a hard time. I'm not trying to oversimplify because very clearly this is very, very individualized therapy based yes. on so many different things like risk factors and other medical conditions and other medications. So I, right. I, I apologize for oversimplifying, but I just for the purpose of this discussion, no. just trying yeah. to kind of hone in on that. So um, yes. I know you'll be um, not surprised to hear that there's a third sister. Now, the third sister is five years older, and she's already had a fracture, and she has been diagnosed with osteoporosis, and she really wants to avoid these osteoporosis drugs. She has not done well on them in the past, and she knows that you have prescribed hormone therapy to her other two sisters. <laughs> so she has now arrived in your office and says, I don't want to take those nasty osteoporosis drugs anymore. Mm -hmm. Can I just take hormone therapy to help with my osteoporosis? What would you tell this sister? Yeah. So there's only three sisters, is, by the way. You can relax. Okay. We're not going to have a fourth. Well, sister. I might add another. I might add someone might be like the adopted long lost sister. But um, <laughs> so so if we're putting her around, like let's say five years older, so she's now she's so she's fifty six, fifty seven. This is a common patient. So. Hormone therapy at standard doses has not been studied um, in women who have osteoporosis in large enough numbers. What we have studied, again, we have many observational studies or studies looking forward, and we have the WHI where 7 to 8% of those women had osteoporosis. We saw that hormone therapy reduced their risk of fractures, but they did not potentially as have as serious or as high risk because we didn't capture all their T-score information and things. So for this woman... This, the, she's in a medical vacuum, right? She's gone to an internist, a gynecologist, a endocrinologist, a rheumatologist. 
they've all prescribed her osteoporosis medications because none of them have had training in understanding that we do know that hormones offset the fracture risk and can improve bone density. She's still less than age 60. Or again, we think the risk benefit for her might be favorable. So if she has a T-score of minus 2.5 to minus 3, and we think she's overall kind of a lower absolute risk of a, a recurrent fracture, I would counsel her on using, again, hormone therapy at appropriate standard doses. Follow her DEXAs, follow her estrogen levels, make sure all the other clinical variables are, are cleaned up, make sure she, we've had a secondary workup to rule out any other causes of osteoporosis. And the other point to this patient that I want to emphasize is that if she's not going to take any other medicine, well, then we're not treating her at all, right? So then we're not, we're failing her, right? We're not doing any, doing nothing is doing nothing for her, right? So she's not going to take the other medicines. Generally, when women come to me and they say they don't want to take osteoporosis medicines, it's they don't want to take Fosamax or they don't want to take, you know, infusions and things, but there are other classes. They kind of get all lumped together. Yeah. No, no question. I mean, I think we're, we're clear that there are other drugs that are going to be helpful yeah. to her. I just want to know if yeah. taking hormone therapy is going to help. Know that with osteopenia yeah. with low bone mass, that it is going to be useful and helpful. I think that's the, the biggest category right. of women that we, are going right. to benefit from hormone therapy. But, right. but when you look at the woman who already has osteoporosis, is it too late or is hormone therapy also going to help her? We look at age, right? So women who are in their 70s, they used to be on hormones and then someone took it away from them. And now they're asking me, you know, can I go back on hormone therapy for my bones? Because like it helps me when I was in my 50s. It's the question we both got all the time. And again, that is again, an individualized risk benefit discussion. Some women, that's the only thing that they feel comfortable with is, is taking hormone therapy because they used to for their bones. Mm -hmm. Women who are in their you know, 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s, you know, 80s, those women might not need as much estrogen to offset right. bone loss. And when we talk about estrogen being beneficial, does it matter if it's transdermal or oral? These are both systemic estrogens. So. Mm -hmm. If someone was a good candidate for either, we're not getting into the risk benefit. If someone is an equally good candidate for transdermal and oral estrogen, which one is going to be more beneficial for her bones or does it matter? So in terms of oral or transdermal estrogen, we've studied both. Both um, have been, again, FDA approved for prevention of, of osteoporosis. So that shouldn't be the deciding factor in terms of whether no. they do oral or transdermal. All right, mm -hmm. so let's talk about doses. We've been talking... You have mentioned a number of times about adequate dose, adequate dose mm -hmm. in terms of bone health. So very often women will be taking estrogen for their hot flashes or sleep. And mm -hmm. as time goes on, they may need less. And But they are worried, and this is one of the questions that came in, if they mm -hmm. go down on their estrogen dose because they don't need it as much anymore for hot flashes, at what point is it no longer going to protect their bones? What is the minimum dose? to protect the bones in terms of estrogen? You know, when we look at oral estrogen, oral conjugated estrogen, the lowest dose to prevent bone loss has been shown to 0 0.3 milligram dose. So that's about half of the standard dose. So when we're talking about conjugated estrogens, we're talking about Premarin, Prempro, mm -hmm. the, the oldest estrogen out there, which is an oral estrogen. And the standard dose is pretty much 0 0.625. 0 yeah. And mm -hmm. so you're saying half of that, 0.3, right. Is going to protect the bones. Yes. Women who are younger, meaning closer to the menopause transition, losing more bone density in those rapid years might need more estrogen to offset bone loss. In terms of estradiol, 
uh, oral estradiol uh, depends, one to two milligrams sometimes is needed. In terms of an estrogen patch, a 50 microgram estrogen patch, we think, again, is equivalent to kind of what we're, what we're talking about in terms of the oral dosing, as well as the on the skin dosing. And then- Right. And, and certainly with hot flashes, it's easy because we right. know that if we go down and they start to flash and you go back up. If I'm hearing you correctly, it's even if you don't need to take those standard doses to control your hot flashes, there's a benefit to staying on that standard dose to protect your bones. With yes. the exception of Premarin, it sounds like you can go down to 0.3 and you're still going to protect your bones. But with the oral and transdermal estradiols, you're probably going to be much better off staying at a one milligram more of a standard dose. Am I interpreting Correct. that correctly? You, you, you absolutely are. And, and when I sometimes check blood work or do DEXAs, I say, well, of, of course, this isn't helping because you're not on a standard dose. The estrogen isn't where we're, we want it to be. So it's not surprising that, that your bone density has declined or dropped. And, and I think a lot of times, again, people are sort of sh like, oh, I'll just take half or I'll take it every other day. It does make the challenge for, for bone health an assessment. Like you said, hot flashes, sleeping, those are quantitative measures that patients can report Yeah, either to you're us. sleeping or you're not sleeping. Do a DEXA a year. We sometimes check estrogen levels. It's and interesting that you talk about checking estrogen levels because certainly in general in the menopause world, mm -hmm. if we're treating hot flashes, et cetera, we, we are not checking estrogen levels. Yet for bone health, you do check estrogen levels. So talk for a minute about what kind of level you're looking for because there's a wide range of normal. You said normal's normal. Well, I don't think normal's normal. Mm -hmm. There's low normal and high normal. So what range are you looking for in terms of an, a serum, a blood estradiol level to protect yeah. bones? There's very little literature on this. The levels we're looking for, for safety and for uh, efficacy is generally between 30 and 60 picograms. Yeah. Sometimes we need to get higher, like between 60 and 90 for some women. And then it's also goes based on their symptoms, right? Yeah. We don't want, we want to get the benefit without the, without right. the bloating. And certainly while we, we don't routinely measure hormone levels, estrogen levels, someone who's having hot flashes, we sometimes will, especially if they're still flashing and we're looking for the same kind of levels and that, you know, right. 40 to 60, 70 is, is kind of where right. we like to land to say, yeah, you're absorbing it. Yes. You should be getting some benefit. All right, so right. sister number two um, shows up in your office again. She's the one with osteopenia and she's just mm -hmm. lost her job. And along with losing her job, she's lost her insurance. So she hasn't seen you for a year and she went off her estrogen over this last year because her insurance didn't cover it anymore. Mm -hmm. What would you expect to happen to her bones if she stopped her hormone therapy? So you know, similar... she lose what she gained. Let's put it that way. Right. So absolutely. So this is a really excellent point is that when women are on hormone therapy, just like any other medication, if you were to stop your cholesterol lowering medicine, stop your beta blocker, the condition will recur or will, will worsen. And so it's the same with osteopenia and even osteoporosis. Hormone therapy has a relatively short half-life. So if you stop that within a year, we can see that bone mineral density drops within a year or two years. Sometimes again, more precipitously, there's no rebound of bone loss or fractures, thankfully, that we've seen with a declining of estrogen, but we know that that will go back to what it was and the trabecular bone and the cortical bone uh, go back to like you were untreated. 
that's terrible news. So that is also, terrible news. And so this is, also supports the fact that we always tell women when they say, when should we go off their hormone therapy? And we say death is the appropriate time, that there's never a reason to go off. But certainly that's also the case when it comes to bones because right. you well, lose what you've gained. Right. And this is where like there's been analyses of deaths, hip fractures, things like that that have occurred in the last 20 years because women were fearful of using hormone therapy. There's been an uptick in you know osteoporosis and fractures and, and breast cancer, yeah. by the way. I just right. want to just throw that in there, even though it's not on topic, but everyone always thinks that they shouldn't take hormone therapy because it's going to give them breast cancer. And we know, of course, that it decreases breast cancer. And it's very interesting. If you look at the last 20 years, mm -hmm. we've had a huge decline in the amount of hormone therapy that's being prescribed, yet breast cancer has gone up. So right. just throwing that out there. I want to yeah. circle back because we've mentioned a few times <laughs> you've talked about that the ideal time, of course, to start hormone therapy, and we all know that the ideal time for a variety of reasons is in that 50 to 60-year-old group, not only to get the most benefit, but that as far as risk, you're going to have the least amount of risks. But in the real world, mm -hmm. we have a lot of women who either went off hormone therapy or were never told about hormone therapy, and they now are in their 60s, and mm -hmm. they now have bone loss. Do you think it is appropriate to... Mm -hmm. to start a woman in her 60s on hormone therapy specifically for bone health? The answer is possibly. I look at women's like individual risk versus their age and risk because we've all seen 60-year-olds who have the health of a 40-year-old or vice versa. I would not rule it out. I would have a, um, a discussion with her in terms of her health history, make sure she has no contraindications, and I would treat her. The reason I bring this up is, first of all, it was a question that came in. But yeah. also, we are so focused on saying 50 to 60, 50 to 60, mm -hmm. based on the WHI data that shows that over the age of 60 is when people had more risks than in their 50 to 60-year-old group. But it's not like they were dropping like flies. I mean, that we have to keep in perspective that the women who were in their 60s and were getting hormone therapy, the overwhelming majority of them did very, very well. And that was with taking an oral estrogen because the right. number one problem that they were having was with blood clots. And when we look at a transdermal preparation, you don't see that. So right. from my point of view, the lessons of the WHI are, it is the best time to start hormone therapy is 50 to 60, but it's not like you can't start over the age of 60, you just have to be a little bit more mindful of other right. risk factors and using transdermal versus oral. But right. I hear this so often. Well, mm -hmm. you have to start before 60. No, right. you don't. You can start someone at 60 or 65, but just keeping in mind that you have to be a little more careful in terms of how you go about it right. and put the I, risks. Absolutely. And I think you're probably up against other providers saying, well, why are you on this hormone therapy? I would discontinue it. For a lot of these um, women who have had osteopenia for a long time, generally it, what we see and what you know that this is what we used to see in our practice is, you know, we reach pedodex every two to three years is every year you're going to see a little decrease, a little decrease. It's like a bank account. Eventually, if you take out all this bone over time, a lot of women eventually have osteoporosis and then they look back retrospectively and say, why did someone do nothing when I had osteopenia and just tell me take calcium, vitamin D and try and exercise more? And the answer is, well, we're not very good at prevention, but we do actually have some prevention options, which is hormone therapy 
And you're absolutely right, women in WHI were 63 on average, and we saw this fracture reduction. But the point is, it's not an absolute no. The question came in. You are correct. Women are told that, and it's really Mm -hmm. not appropriate to tell all of these women, no, it's not an option. It is an option in select women. Progesterone. Women who have a uterus are generally taking progesterone. Is that going to help their bones? There are progesterone receptors on bones. So potentially progesterone helps. There's some evidence that some progesterones might help the bone more than others. And there's other studies that say it's a wash. So really, we primarily think it's an estrogen effect on the bone. And maybe certain progesterones might help more than others. But the studies are quite mixed on that. All right. So if you had a woman who had a hysterectomy and was taking estrogen and did not need (laughs) progesterone to protect her lining of the uterus, and she asked about progesterone, you would say, don't bother. I would say don't bother. Okay. Testosterone. The guys make testosterone, helps their bones. We know that there are no FDA approved testosterones for women, that we do prescribe it off label in select women to help with libido. We have very good Mm -hmm. literature that supports that in about 50% of women, testosterone will improve libido. What's testosterone going to do for someone's bones? The testosterone dose that we're using for this indication is not going to affect bone mineral density dramatically. The studies on testosterone replacement, not surprisingly, have been done in men. And there are some studies showing that we give men testosterone, it impacts their fall risk, improves their bone mineral density. We know we know this. We don't have a lot of information in females. We just don't have the data. So on... um... Ancestry.com, they've just found a fourth sister that they didn't know that they had. And the fourth sister is a younger sister. And we're not even going to go into why she's not part of the family, but she is 43 years old. She's now learned that her three older sisters have terrible bones and she still needs birth control because she's still getting periods and she has a new partner. She was thinking about putting an IUD in, but now that she knows what's going on with her sisters, she says to you, should I take birth control pills for the next 10 years to protect my bones? Not to build bone, but to protect them. What would you tell sister number four? So the fact of the matter is it's it's mixed data for some women who might need that extra estrogen support. It might help a little bit. There might be some benefits in bone mineral density because women are just perimenopausal and have low you know, natural estrogen states. Uh, themselves um, because their cycles have become irregular and they're in their late perimenopause. The answer for bone health is mixed data. Um, And so I wouldn't say, oh, you have to go on an oral contraceptive to help your bones. Okay. So Um, she should pick what kind of birth control she wants to use and not worry about bones at this point and keep exercising and taking her calcium. I want to finish talking about one of, I think you and I would agree, one of the most underutilized drugs out there, and that is raloxifen. Relaxifen, mm-hmm. the trade name is Evista, and Evista is not an estrogen. It is a selective estrogen receptor modulator drug, meaning that it is going to either activate or block estrogen receptors. And uh, women are often prescribed Evista for bone health. It has other benefits as well, including preventing breast cancer. So my question for you mm-hmm. is if a woman comes in the door and her internist has told her, to take raloxifen, but Mm -hmm. she wants to take hormone therapy because she's also having hot flashes and, but she's worried about her bones. So do Mm -hmm. we know 
knowing that both of these medications are going to help support bone health, is mm-hmm. one going to do a better job than the other? Um, Raloxifene Avista has been FDA approved you know, since, the, I, I believe, like the early 90s. At least 15 years. Like you said, it's underutilized. I think it's prescribed by gynecologists and breast surgeons and, and the breast medical breast teams. Um, and so many patients are not aware of that this option. I think it's also important to point out you cannot take it with estrogen. You know, no, you can things you can combine. This one, it's one or the other. So right. she's got to make a choice. It is also a weak anti-resorptive, so it it prevents more bone from being lost. It works better in the spine again. So we have better data to show that it reduces the risk of spine fractures than it does hip. So that means it doesn't penetrate into the cortical bone or the hip as much as it does in the spine. In general, it, it improves the bone mineral density more at the spine than it does at the hip. So would that be um, part of your decision tree? Is if is, on her DEXA, mm-hmm. if she has uh, her significant, most significant bone loss, because it doesn't always mm-hmm. match. You know, we know for a variety it of does not, it can be different right. throughout the body. So if most of her bone loss is in her hip and she's deciding, she doesn't, let's say for the sake of argument, she doesn't have half left. Mm-hmm. She just wants to know which way to go. Would you steer her towards estrogen or do you think, you know, I, I know it's, and I, and yeah. I know you're just probably rolling your eyes inwardly, yeah. very polite, but I'm trying yeah. to take complex patients and make them yes. simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, again, we don't have a head to head or a raloxavine versus hormone therapy. Again, the dose matters, but I would say if her bone density is lower in their spine, then um, I am more inclined to say, this is a, a medication for you that is going to improve, but hormone therapy is going to do the same. It, preferentially is going to affect the the trabecular bone that's remodeling more quickly. You know, if if hormone therapy is not an option for them, a lot of the times I am using raloxifene as another mm-hmm. option rather than skipping right to the oral uh, bisphosphonates. Mm-hmm. And for many women, again, family history of breast cancer, we're understanding that more than we used to um, in terms of our risk modifications. In terms of length of time, maybe that's going to be your next question. It's been studied up to five years to show that it reduces the risk of estrogen receptor positive breast cancer in those patients who are at higher risk for that. But it's for bone health, there's been some studies out to eight years. Yeah. For just like hormones and like this medicine, if it's working and, and you're at, if the benefit outweighs the risk, then we can then we continue. All right, so I think we've covered this entire family. Are there any sisters I didn't think about that that we should I mention? Think, yeah, the long lost sister has a sister too. Um, I think I think they need to pick up the throw rugs in their home, right? Say the other patient that I see, and again, maybe more specific is women who have a very low T score. Women again, any age, fifty to seventy, who have a T score of minus three or lower in their spine or their hip, they've had a fracture and they want to use hormones. I love the superpower of hormone therapy, but we have to also realize when it's not enough. And so for some of those women, they also then need a bone build medicine. And and as a last point, while I have been badgering you and pushing you to say, okay, this woman doesn't have anything else going on except that she's Mm -hmm. concerned about her bones. And should we give her hormone therapy to help with her bones? Hormone therapy is FDA approved Correct. for women who have osteopenia. It is not FDA approved for women with osteoporosis unless they are also treating other menopause symptoms. And just because something 
is not FDA approved doesn't mean that it can't be prescribed, but certainly it needs to be prescribed by an expert such as yourself who is looking at all of the other issues that may contribute to bone loss in that woman. So it's a complicated exactly. area. Thank you for breaking it down. Yes, for us. I think you've become a bone expert. Dr. I am. You're this right. is, I, I really rely on people like you. Some things I feel very, very comfortable. And when it comes to bone health, writing prescriptions for things other than hormone therapy, it's tricky. And I will say that mm-hmm. I used to write prescriptions for osteoporosis oh. drugs mm-hmm. when there were like three of them. And mm-hmm. then when that world exploded, this one actually, I brought you into the center yeah. to say, this is over what I know and I'm comfortable with yeah. and I need to bring in an expert. And I think that that is something that's so critically important because almost every single question that came in was started off by saying, my doctor hasn't been helpful. My doctor hasn't told me what to do. And that's a big issue because we know in this world, there are very, very few experts when it comes to bone health. And in fact, it doesn't necessarily have to be one specialty. We know, you know you're, you're an internist. Right. Some gynecologists are very good at this, which <laughs> is great, but it also makes it very challenging for women to find someone right. who can help them because they have this expectation that their own doctor will be able to, and then they find out that they're really not able to. So in the program right. notes, I'm going to put where to find you. And okay. You do, you do health. You're in Chicago, but you do telehealth, and right. and bones is one of the things that you can do telehealth. Very right. nicely, and, actually. Yeah, menopause management well. lends itself yeah. to that as well. It you does. know, we have so many so many things we can do. We cannot do a, a gynecologic exam telehealth though. We Vaginal dryness and telehealth doesn't really work so well because yeah. so far our smartphones have not figured out how to <laughs> measure vaginal dryness. But for things like hot flashes and certainly bone health, it can be Absolutely. totally appropriate. So I will put that information and some resources in the program notes. And any last words? Prevention can be treatment is what I, I really feel strongly about with, with in the field of bone health. Thank you so much for spending this time. Thank you, Dr. Stryker. Always a pleasure. loved our discussion, but we threw a lot out there. So I'm going to run through the main take-home points. First, while women are generally advised to start hormone therapy within 10 years of menopause transition with the greatest benefit and the smallest risk, in the WHI, even older women benefited as far as bone health when hormone therapy was started outside that 10-year window. So on an individual basis, it might be appropriate to start hormone therapy later. In women who have normal bone mass, estrogen will help prevent bone loss, but it's generally not prescribed for that reason unless someone also has hot flashes or other menopause symptoms. In women who have low bone mass or osteopenia, both oral and transdermal systemic estrogen are FDA approved to prevent progression to osteoporosis. There's no clear difference in the benefit among the different systemic estrogens or between oral and transdermal products. But as I've discussed many times, transdermal products have the advantage of less risk in terms of blood clots and stroke compared to oral estrogen. If you have low bone mass, in addition to preventing more bone loss, the use of hormone therapy may increase your bone density by as much as 5%. Dose does matter, and lower than standard doses of hormone therapy, while still helpful, are associated with smaller improvements in bone density. 
It currently is not recommended to take hormone therapy at the same time as a bisphosphonate or other bone medicine unless you're taking the estrogen to treat menopause-specific symptoms. While changes in bone density are important, what really matters is reduction in the risk of fracture, and hormone therapy reduces the combined risk of vertebral fractures, hip fractures, and total fractures by 34% compared with placebo in a low-risk fracture population. As far as a woman that already has osteoporosis, no study has evaluated the effects of estrogen on fracture risk, and therefore, estrogen is not approved as the sole treatment for postmenopausal osteoporosis. Having said that, hormone therapy is a reasonable alternative for women who don't tolerate or decline standard osteoporosis therapy. While there will likely be some benefit, there's no way to know how much benefit, but better to do hormone therapy than to do nothing. Getting a prescription for hormone therapy as opposed to one of the bone drugs not only depends where you're starting from, but also if you have other menopause symptoms. The biggest factor that determines what kind of treatment you're offered is probably which specialist you're seeing. Internists and endocrinologists tend to prescribe bisphosphonates, while a gynecologist is more likely to prescribe hormone therapy. One of the main advantages of hormone therapy, other than obvious benefits like helping with hot flashes, cognitive function, and genital urinary support, is that unlike the bisphosphonates, hormone therapy can be used long-term. And finally, what happens if you stop hormone therapy? No surprise, you'll lose bone. And you'll lose bone pretty quickly. In fact, the beneficial effects of estrogen on bone begin to fall off within a few months of stopping therapy, and you'll see a bone mineral density loss of 3% to 6% during that first year. And sadly, within two years, bone density falls to levels seen in women who never took estrogen, with a return to fracture risk that's basically the same as women who have never used hormone therapy. With that in mind, the Menopause Society has stated that extended use of hormone therapy is an option for women who have low bone mass, regardless of menopause symptoms, in order to prevent further bone loss and for reduction of fracture risk. In other words, another reason to never stop your hormone therapy. Another issue which I forgot to bring up with Dr. DeSapri is the impact of hot flashes on bone health. In the study of women across the nation, SWAN, women that had the worst hot flashes also had the most bone loss. So in addition to the direct impact on bones, if a woman has hot flashes, it's possible that using hormone therapy to eliminate her flashes will also impact in a positive way on her bone health. I'm gonna finish this off with this question because it really kind of summarizes the whole topic. Hi, Dr. Stryker. Thank you so much for all of your help with menopause questions and issues. I'm a 52 year old woman um, who went through menopause about five to seven years ago, I have my uterus, no history of cancers or strokes. I have been diagnosed with osteopenia due to two foot fractures. Uh, my doctors aren't interested in prescribing anything. I'm wondering about um, getting on hormones and I'm wondering what you might recommend. My primary objective is related to bone health, but I'm also interested in the other benefits of hormones, especially estrogen. So I'm wondering if you would recommend, you know, estradiol, um, duave, uh, you know, or nothing at all. I'm just kind of curious if you would have some thoughts for someone who uh, is interested in hormone therapy more generally, but with a specific focus on bone health. My doctors haven't heard of most of these things and aren't interested in prescribing anything at all, including hormones. 
Well, this is easy. In general, hormone therapy will not only reduce the risk of progressing to osteoporosis, but will likely improve your bone density and decrease the risk of another fracture in addition to all the other benefits of hormone therapy. As far as the best one, either systemic oral or transdermal will benefit your bones and other symptoms, but it's important that you take an adequate dose to get maximum bone benefit. You mentioned Duave, which is estrogen and basodaxafen, a progestogen alternative, which not only decreases the risk of breast cancer, but impressively builds bone. We didn't get to that today, but stay tuned. That topic is coming in a few weeks. Thanks for joining me. You'll find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. Go to drstriker.com to sign up for my free newsletter and follow Francie as she navigates her way through midlife, menopause, and beyond. Music